The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Defensive back Derwin Gray left the NFL for a higher calling. Okay, so I got the money, I got the girl, I got the career, but what I don't have is unconditional love. I don't have forgiveness, and I can't get rid of this fear that I had, and the fear is this, who am I gonna be when I don't play anymore? Because the NFL stands for not for long. Start living limitless when Jesus removes your fear. Next. got a wonderful guest here and I like it because you know he's a former NFL player and that's always cool with me but you know him from personal experience. Well and the interesting thing is I've actually never got to meet him until today but I had the privilege of, of preaching in his church Transformers Church in Charlotte North Carolina and honestly the minute I was around his people I came back and I said to our people, we have got to have this dude yeah, on our show. Which is amazing, because he was not there when you were there. No, but, you but his footprints something was going on. Yeah. are all over the place. Oh, so cool. I'll probably stop talking now. Would yeah. you help me welcome our guest, Derwin Gray, Pastor Derwin Gray. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was truly blown away by by your church. And I I mean, I'm, I'm 60. I'm, I've been traveling for 40 years. I've had the privilege of being in churches all around the world. But there's something very unique about your church. And I, and I, reala I realized the, the longer I was around your people, it's really intentional. I mean, you have absolutely decided this is what the body of Christ should look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we um, God has been incredibly gracious to us and we have a conviction that the new heavens and new earth is multi-ethnic, it's multi-class and so we want to practice that now. So our church, because of the work of Jesus, because of his grace, we're multi-ethnic, multi-generational, uh, multi-social economic, not because that's something that's politically correct, but because it's kingdom correct. And so what you experienced was you will know my disciples because they love one another. And it was probably good that I wasn't there. Then that's why they were, you know, that, that's why they were displaying the love of Christ because I was gone somewhere. No, but no, no, no. There's, there's uh, uh, just wonderful people that I get to serve with and people that love Jesus. That's quite a leap from NFL player. Yeah. Now I'm a huge, <laughs> I'm a huge football fan, but you played with the, the Colts. The Colts and the Panthers. Panthers, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, was that always your dream to be a football player? It was, it was. So I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And so I'm a Texas boy. Whenever I come to Texas, just something comes out of me. I want to tackle something or it's eat God, something. It's, tackle it, Rand. It's or, God's or, Yeah, God's I may tackle yeah. you before the segment's over. Okay. Okay. Like if I just start twitching in my face, yeah. get ready, you're going to get ta tackled. <laughs> um, but, but you know, so uh, growing up, uh, football was just what you did, but about age 12, football became more than just a, a game. It came a way for me to get out of where I was. Wow. And so I couldn't say this then, but I can say it now. Um, football became my God. It gave me identity. It gave me mission. It gave me purpose. Wow. And so the environment that I grew up in was lots of drugs, violence. And so I wanted to get out. And so in eighth grade, my eighth grade coach told my mom 
that Derwin could get a scholarship if he continued to play well. And my mom told me that, and I said, what, what, what kind of ship is that? <laughs> no, because I, I, didn't, I didn't know what a scholarship was. And so she explained, she said, you know, like those boys on TV, they play in, co in college. So that gave me a vision of, of what could be. And, and so I didn't start off like the biggest, the fastest. So, so right now, my son as a sophomore, six foot one, 200 pounds. When I was his age, I was 5'8", 145. So I wasn't the biggest, strongest, fastest. But once I got the idea that you may be better than me, but you're not going to outwork me and you're not going to have a stronger will than, than me. But my why for doing that was rooted in I've got to get out of where I was. Mm -hmm. So on the outside, it looked healthy, mm -hmm. but on the inside, that furnace was eventually gonna catch up with me. So I went to BYU, uh, yep, went to BYU, played college ball there, had a great career, and then I ended up getting drafted to the Colts. I was a 92nd pick in the 93 NFL draft. By my third year, I'm a team captain. Wow. We make it to the AFC Championship game. Um, we end up losing with like two seconds left. Mm. But on the outside, it was like, okay, so I got the money, I got the girl, I got the career, but what I don't have is unconditional love. I don't have forgiveness. And I can't get rid of this fear that I had. And the fear is this, who am I gonna be when I don't play anymore? Because the NFL stands for not for long. <laughs> so, so, so I played for six years, which is twice the norm. Mm -hmm. And so when I was done, I was 27, 28 years old. And as an adult male, my brain had just stopped forming basically. Like, like I just became an, an adult and you got the rest of your life. And so I was always afraid of who would you be if you couldn't play anymore. But I had a teammate starting in 1993 who literally every day after practice would take a shower, dry off, and wrap a towel around his waist. The naked preacher. The naked preacher, yeah. He was six foot two, 240 pounds, and after pr practice, he'd get his Bible and he'd walk around the locker room and he would go like that because he had one gold tooth and he'd go, and he'd go, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm going, do you know you're half naked? <laughs> and so his nickname was the naked preacher. But for five years, uh, he shared the gospel with me, not just in words, but the way he loved his wife and his kids, the way whenever my teammates had a problem, they were at his locker. Whenever there was a charity, whenever there was an, any, an event to serve the city, he led the way. And so his words matched his actions and his actions matched his words. And so on August 2nd, 1997, in a small dorm room um, after lunchtime, training camp with the Colts, I picked up the phone. And this was before like, this was like phones were attached to the wall then and they had a long cord. Yeah. And I called my wife on that phone and I said, I wanna be more committed to you and I wanna be committed to Jesus. And, and then that's, that's when it hit me that I was loved unconditionally and wow. I just, I cried like that whole night. Like I might even start crying now. I just cried the whole night and I was taught as a little boy, never cry because that's a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. But now I realize that those tears was living water of God healing me. And I got infected with this virus called grace and the symptoms have just gotten better ever since. <laughs> I love that virus. <laughs> yes. You, you, in your book, Limitless Life, you talk about the things that limit us. Yeah. 
Did you feel limited by the, that fear of what you're going to do or you're going to be? How did that carry on in your life? Yeah, so before I answer that question, the, the, the very fact that I wrote a book is a miracle. My teachers at Converse Judson High School would be surprised. If they were atheists, they would become Pentecostal believers. <laughs> They'd be like, praise the Lord, here's a God. Because I was horrible in English. Mm -hmm. I scored a 16 on my ACT. A 16, that, that, that's as low as you can get, that's low. And now I've got a doctorate and I'm working on another one and my master's, I graduated magna cum laude, which means like really, really smart. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, so that is a, that is a testimony of, of God's grace. But yeah, so throughout the book, I talk about labels that limit us. Mm -hmm. And so what we typically do is we define ourselves by what we do or what's been done to us. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up in a very chaotic environment. So I was always afraid. Like even now, one of my tendencies that when I'm not walking in the spirit is to walk into uh, uh, fear. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways I try to prevent that is to try to control things. Mm -hmm. And at 46 years of age and through parenting, God's like, no, I'm in control. Trust me. And, and so one of the labels that I always had was, was fear. I was afraid. Um, I was afraid something bad was going to take place because I had seen so much pain. Um, I was afraid that I would never measure up. I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. Mm. And so the fact that I write books, wow. the fact that I preach, oh, my gosh, like in high school, there would be oral examinations that I was required to give that I wouldn't give because it was too hard to talk and who wants to be laughed at? Yeah. And, and so those were labels that Christ had to take away from me mm -hmm. and give me a new one that was based on what he had done and not what I did or what happened to me. What is that new label? Well, beloved child of God, that everything that I have can be stripped away from me except for I'm a beloved child of God. Um, family, church yeah. accomplishments can all be taken away but nothing can ever take away the life of God in me and the identity that I have in him so how do you get from being an NFL player to a pastor of a pretty phenomenal church I mean that's you know you didn't end up on ESPN <laughs> actually I did do some work for ESPN you don't help it was cool. So the way you end up from the football field to the pulpit is God tricks you. <laughs> He's like that. Yeah. He is like that. Yeah, because I didn't grow up church, so I had no idea about what evangelism meant. I thought that was like a skin cream to, or skin disease that hydrocortisone fixes or something. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know all it that stuff. <laughs> you know, all I, I knew was Jesus loved me. Hmm. He's transformed my life and he wants to do that for others and I want others to know. And so as a Christian with my teammates, I just began to share what I was learning from the Bible because I knew this, that if I had a playbook in the NFL, if I studied it, I played well. So I go, okay, well, God must have a playbook called the Bible. So if I study it, then I can play his game well called life. So the more I learned, I would begin to teach that. So I had a teaching gift from the spirit of God and didn't even know it, I had a gift to be an evangelist, to see others come to know Christ. And so as that began to take hold, other Christians would go, 
you should pastor a church. And I was like, no. (laughs) And one of the reasons why is because in my early formative years, whoever got close to me ended up rejecting me. So that was a label. Mm. Ended up abandoning me. So so that's a label. And it took Christ going, I'm going to stitch a new label in you that you are accepted, that you are loved. And you know what? As you risk loving, you may be hurt, hmm. but it's better to be hurt loving than to stay hurt and not love. Wow. The two things I took away from being with your church were these, um, come as you are and on mission 24 mm-hmm. seven. Because you're at the end of a service and I'm not gonna do it properly, but <laughs> you have the congregation, everybody says this thing, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Do you mind doing that? Cause I'm gonna mess it up. Sure, I, I would love to. So at the end of every service, we do this as our liturgy, as our creed to remind us of who we are. So together, thousands of us, we, we, we stand up and we raise our hands and we say upward. That stands for loving God completely because he first loved us. Inward to love ourselves correctly because of Christ in us. Outward to love our neighbors compassionately because of the Holy Spirit through us. I pointed the congregation, the point, congregation points to me. Then we say transformers roll out. So upward, inward, outward, transformers roll out. Because now it's time to roll out that love to a world that needs it. And so we don't want to keep all that goodness confined to a building. Yeah. We want to take it to the streets. One of our favorite parts that we were talking about earlier is that you have a bit in your book where you talk about going from racism to gracism. That's <laughs> yeah. a pretty cool story. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm preaching one su- Sunday and our church is incredibly diverse and beautiful people. We got farmers, people with dreadlocks. I mean, it, it's, just, it's awesome. So one day I'm talking to folks after the service and I noticed this white guy about 35 running down the aisle and he's crying and snot is hanging from his nose. Not a good look. It's not, and so I'm thinking, okay, what would Jesus do? He'd do a miracle, make the snot disappear, (laughs) or like, is this guy coming to attack me? Yeah, he could. But I'm too slow, and before I know it, he's on me, draped on me. I have no clue where the snot is, don't wanna know where it's at. (laughs) So he's draped on me, and the white guy says, I can't believe I'm in church, and I can't believe the pastor's black. I don't even like black people. <laughs> that must have made you feel good. Oh, it was awesome, <laughs> because for him to be, be there uh, and to be in this state, and his next words are, I want to know Jesus. Wow. And, and, and so eventually, his girlfriend, who had invited him for a while, who herself had been in prison, eventually they both get baptized and as the gospel's penetrating their hearts, they're like, pastor, we need to get married. And then the woman says, well, my dad abandoned me when I was about 17. He won't have anything to do with me. Will you walk me down the aisle? Hmm. So here I am walking her down the aisle. She's wearing jeans, a white frilly type shirt with the arms cut cut, cut off because she's buff and she's got a barbed wire tattoo, and he's standing, waiting for his bride, and I'm walking her down, and he's crying again, Mm. and so I get to walk him down the aisle, and it's just beautiful, and so I call that going from a racist to becoming a gracist, and I think that's what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to do, is that for God so loved the world, the world, so... In Hebrew, not Hebrew, <laughs> but in Hebrew, that's everybody. That's everyone. <laughs> that Jesus loves everyone, that he spilled his blood 
equally for everyone. And then when we become followers of Jesus, first Peter says, we become a chosen race. So next time, if you're a Christian and ask you, what's your race, you put Christian and move to the next question. That's great. I love that. I'll be doing that from now on. Yeah, because that's, uh, I mean, that's what Peter says, and he walked with Jesus. He's kind of like a big deal. He's, he's, a, big, he's a big deal, that P Peter. And, and, so, and so that's one of the foundations of our church is we treat everyone as though Jesus died for them. Which would actually technically be correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious because, so you, Sheila made note that, that your church is very multi-ethnic and you're telling this story about a, a white guy and the racism being broken. It would be kind of cool if churches were, were more diverse and all that kind of stuff, but manufacturing it wouldn't really work. It, it would be artificial and, and it wouldn't work. Uh-uh. It's real in your church, though. It is a theological conviction that is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God says to Abraham, through you, all the nations are going to be blessed, all the eth ethnos. Mm -hmm. In Galatians 3, 8, the scripture says, God, uh, God preached the gospel beforehand to Paul, saying, in you, all the nations will be blessed. So the work of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, ascension, and sending of the spirit to build a church is a church comprised of the nations that Jesus fulfills God's covenant with Abraham that says, God, here is your beautiful, diverse family. And this family now becomes a tutor to teach the world how to love. And, and, and so for us at Transformation Church, one of the most powerful witnesses is our community that people go, how do y'all get along? <laughs> that with so much racial up e evil in our country, how is it that you guys get along and we're like the fifth grade, gr grader in Sunday school class? We go, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but then good. we begin to expl explain it. So you can't manufacture it, but it has to be a theological conviction rooted in the gospel. But then there are practical applications like listening to other people's stories. Mm. See, that's huge. Yeah. If mm -hmm. we learned to listen to one another, that would change the way we yeah. live with one another. Even just yeah. taking the time to sit down and try to listen, even if you don't get it the first time. Yeah, right? and one of, the, one of the things that I love about sports teams, and, and I encourage parents to let their kids play sports, it's not about being the best, it's about who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. And so the, the great thing about sports teams is you have diverse guys coming together for a common vi vision with a common role. Mm -hmm. How much more should we do that with the church? But, but what do we do at the church? Here it is. Well, I don't like that music. I haven't read in the Bible where God asked our opinion <laughs> on what kind of music we like. <laughs> well, I don't like this and I don't like that. Can I preach just, just for a minute? I, I, won't, I, won't, I just, I'll just, go. I'll go. We need to put down our preferences and pick up our crosses. Mm. Let me say it again for the people somewhere over there. We need <laughs> to put down our preferences and pick up our crosses because it's Jesus's church. Yes. And Revelation 5, 9 says, every nation, tribe, and tongue will be worshiping the king together. Mm -hmm. So you, you know what that means? I don't like every song our worship team sings. But Jesus didn't ask me my opinion. He asked me to build 
and join him in building his church, which means I put down my preference and pick up my cross so a cross-shaped community can be built. Why? Mm. Because the unbelieving world is watching and they're looking for hope. They're looking for love. Mm. They're looking for Jesus. Mm. Why are we called the body of Christ? Mm. Why are we called the body of Christ? Because we extend his nail-pierced hands to a world in need of his grace. Mm. And now you know why you need his book. Mm. And I'm going to tell you how to get it in just a few moments. But one of the things that Durham's church is very committed to is to, to live out the gospel of Christ everywhere, to every place, to every land. Mm-hmm. We're kind of committed to that too. Yep. Would you watch this with me? It's this time of year we like to focus on giving Christmas smiles. And today I'm sitting here in China at one of our life centers with little Momo. Momo came to the life center here with a special need of a surgery because he had one of the worst cases of cleft palate, cleft lip that we've ever seen. But the doctors were able to operate and bring him a Christmas smile. But he's just a happy little boy. He's a boy all the way. He's playful, but he's just just a bundle of joy and a ball of energy. He's sitting quiet right now, but uh, he loves, loves playing and loves being a little boy. loves his life here. He's been loved on. In fact, he's hoping to be adopted sometime soon. Thank you so much to all of our donors who give so generously over and over again to help Life Outreach bring Christmas smiles to children who God loves just so much. Say bye-bye. What an amazing privilege to be able to do that. Sheila, what do you think about when you see this outreach, the shoes and the smiles, where we can change children's countenances? Yeah, it's really, one of the things I find so moving about that story is that darling little boy, um, four years old, he's actually in an orphanage there. And as he was before with that cleft, palate and cleft lip, it was, his was one of the most severe we'd ever seen. It extended almost right up to his eye. There was, he had so little hope of ever being adopted. There's something about certain cultures when children are born with deformities, it's almost seen as a curse, as if it's something that's made them, you know, like a social outcast. And for you and I, in Jesus' name, to be able to say to a child like Momo, no, you're loved and you're seen and God has a future for you and a plan. For just $500, we actually are able to perform those surgeries. That would cost so much more here in the United States, but we work with some amazing doctors who are absolutely committed to helping us do that. So literally $500 is all it takes to be able to offer those surgeries. But the other thing that we have going, Randy, that I love is Christmas shoes. This is just amazing to me. These shoes, they literally were able to provide them for $3.60. So here's what we want to do this Christmas. We want to provide 150,000 children with their very first pair of shoes. And it's so doable, literally for 
$72, you can provide 20 pairs of shoes. 36 bucks, I and mean, you can't even buy shoes for that. But you know that'll provide 10 pairs of shoes for children who, in so many places, if they don't have shoes and they've got cuts in their feet and they're putting their feet in water where there's disease, they're gonna end up with hookworm and all sorts of things that can actually lead to brain damage. We have such an opportunity. Christmas is a wonderful time. It's a time when you and I love to get together with our friends and family. We eat too much, we buy each other things that we don't need. <laughs> Here's an opportunity for you and I to do something to change the lives of children. So literally $36, 10 pairs of shoes. I mean, that's yeah. nothing. Yeah, and I know you've been, uh, you've been in the field. I love it. When we put these shoes onto the children, it makes them smile. And for many of them, it's the first pair of shoes they've ever had. Uh, and so these, these are very durable, uh, practical shoes. Um, the, a lot of the kids outgrow them quickly and pass them on to others, so they have a life of their own. It's just a great gift. I mean, this Christmas, we're thinking Christmas a little early here for a good reason, because we want to prepare as we give so many children shoes and smiles. Will you be a part of that? Will you go online and make the best gift you can? Call that number? Please do it right now. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pairs, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted crystal shoe ornament a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $180 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request our Determined Eagle bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Thank you so much. And if the phones are busy, please keep calling. We really care about this. Let's put some big smiles on some little faces this Christmas. And when you do today, please ask for Derwin Gray's book, yes. Limitless Life. As you've seen on today's show, it will bless you. And would you thank our guest for being here? Thank you, sir. Thank you for your life, for your ministry. Thank you. thank you. And for being with us here on Life Today. We thank you for being with us here on Life Today. And we just invite you to join us every day on Life Today. And if you missed the program or part of this one, you can see it on our website at lifetoday.org.
Worshiping God in the sunshine lifts our spirits. Worshiping God through the longest night changes who we are. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.